he cut was, it out. But. He was he was snarky. Right. I think we're good, right? I think we're back on. Yeah, I just we just started moving again, so that looks better. Oh, just try ahead. I wasn't worried about you. I was worried Don't about the Don't haze mic. the newbie. Why right. not? Are we doing an intro video? <laughs> yeah, we're doing an Let's intro video. Let's do that. And it's not a cat. I checked. Is it the... Um, I'm did, not a cat. You know, Dave Duncan won world championships with the A's in the You're 70s before okay. he was a coach oh, with yeah. the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, Alex Trebek told me that. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. The, when we were running the room. It is not. All right. I'm sorry. No, not okay. yet. Okay. Fading in. Says real man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Prodigal Sons podcast. Can anybody still hear me? That is some energy. I'm faking it. I don't really. All right, no, I'm not. I got it. it. <laughs> How we doing, everybody? We got Elijah Griffin in the house. What do we like? We got Tom Rivera in the house. We got some guy named Dave Duncan who went to prison for Enron stuff in the house. What? Me? <laughs> we got the best producer, Sarah, in Hi the yo. house. We got Little E. Little E. We got Brian in the live studio audience. And we got the one, the only, John Nyhouse in the house. Hello. I don't have anything funny to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick start to the show, isn't it? We're just like, bam, we're on. Man, there's a lot of pressure doing Bring that some intro. excitement, Dave. All right. I'll try to I'll try mm-hmm. to amp it up a little That's bit. That's the first time it has ever happened. <laughs> but it's amazing. Well, this is episode number what? 50 51. One. 51. <laughs> Nobody thought we were going to make it over no. 50. No. I did. I put, I'm lying. I didn't even know it was. I put money on that we were going to end after five. So, <laughs> so we already I'm did still something paying off different on the 51st episode. If you know what we already did different on the 51st episode, write it on the comments. I, or I can just tell you. And, John, I think I screwed up your name. It's Nye Haas. Yeah. I said Nye Haas. Nye Haas. Yeah, that's that's not bad. That's, that's good. That's Nye Haas. <sighs> way to, rule, way to so, butcher the man's name. We, we, are, have the, we have the privilege to have John in the audience today. And uh, Elijah and I don't know him. So, and we, did, we didn't bother Sorry, to... sorry, sorry. If you ever came out to play basketball... You wouldn't know. Yeah, but do you know what he's going to say tonight? I don't. He is going to say something compelling. I think it's going to be uplifting. about... Uplifting. Just a guess. I think it might be about Jesus. You think so? <laughs> no. No, I think That's it's not this kind of... Sh- that's not... This isn't that kind of show, is it? I think it's Jesus. Nah. But that would be anyway, cool. so we're looking forward to Yay! that later. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're looking forward to that later. Elijah's looking forward to the food that just walked in. So hopefully you all had your dinner already. Yeah, by the way, everybody, we had some uh, different technical difficulties, so everyone will be eating in front of you. Maybe. And You're going to be... I will not smack in the mic. It's We're going to have to see... I don't know. I no, can't hear people chewing. That's I can't hear be. people chewing. He'll start, so John nasty. will start talking. You, you, you I'll let, meet everyone else. You let John yeah, do his yeah, testimony. Yeah. He's pouring his heart out. You're just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're eating... I'm like, oh, man, I got sauce on your papers. We're like crying eating a pizza. So... 
So the uh, so yeah, this is gonna be like one of those places that uh, the, where the, the move the, back in the day when there was movie theaters, you know, before pandemics, be like one of those movie theaters where you could have dinner. Is that what you're treating this as at this sure, point? Sure, sure, yeah, movie tavern, movie tavern. That's what it is. Sure. Yeah. See, our kids are gonna be asking um, us but, what. But see, you movie say those movie were. theaters that allow you to have dinner. Um, sorry, growing up, whenever I went to the movie theater. Mom and dad would have everything we needed stuffed in the jackets. You know what's tough? So here's the here's the question about that. And I, by the way, all for it because better popcorn, cheaper, bigger. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. totally. Car payment. How do you do the can thing? You don't get the can. So I always did the can. So you don't get the can. You, you get, get the a, bottle. You get the plastic bottle, but you open it before you go in. Oh, so you don't get the big. So you don't get the big. Because I always did the. And then can. the ushers like, hey, 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 hey. There's you no ushers. That. I know they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're all like twelve <laughs> years old. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> like we just want to watch a movie. <laughs> I just want to buy video games. That's the only reason why I'm here. For for you listeners, for you new listeners, I would like to let you know this is not a show about how to sneak food into the theater. No, obviously it's not because if you were going to do that, what you do these days is like go to like Five Below and get some of those good snacks, and then you'd stop and get a couple of drinks. <laughs> but you and have what you to would take do it is, out of the wrapper before you get there, so you don't make all the. Crap. What you would do is you'd make sure you put the drink in the freezer for about 10 minutes so it's still nice and icy cold when you get to the movie theater. But, I mean, that's just off the top of my head spitballing. I mean, I wouldn't... Good guess. Good guess. Can we get back to the... uh, When we we first got married, we'd pop our own popcorn, put them in the bottom of Lisa's purse. That is a beautiful story. I know. I need to hear about that one day. There's been way too much time. All right, all right, all right. We need to get... robbery. (laughs) Okay. Let's let's get on with it. Sean. Yeah, where, where, where is Sean? Apparently you got some beef with him. You're upset with him. You're not walking right. What's going on with you? This has been a very difficult week for me. Okay. And I know I'm laughing and everything like that, but honestly, it's uh, it's only... it's I'm crying on the inside because I actually... I know where Sean is tonight. And uh, I really kind of hate to tell you, but... So you guys knew it. I, I tore two ligaments in my ankle. On Wednesday, but what I didn't tell you was I was at work and I was up in the back of my truck and I was just coming down off the ladder and everything was going fine and all of a sudden I just felt like this explosion in my leg and what happened was I got hit by like a baseball bat and it was like it just brought me back to when I was a kid with like Nancy Kerrigan and stuff. But, like, I just got hit with this baseball bat, and all I see is this bat lying on the ground, and I'm laying there in pain. I thought I, like, broke my leg in, like, four different places, and I'm screaming in pain, and I turn around, and I see a a figure that – I see Sean Conroy rounding the corner at my work, running away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think what happened was he knew that I was back wait on a minute, this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you sure it was Sean? Yeah, you said you, you saw said a figure running. Of no, it was, it was, running? It was Sean, Sean running. He, he was running away. Sean runs? I never saw Sean run. I've never seen Sean run. I'm his trainer, but I've never Are seen him sure run. Are you sure this was Sean? He can run his mouth, but. All right, well, he was he was trying to run. He was, you know. He, he was getting away. He was getting away. Okay. He was getting away because faster you were, than a walk. Because okay. you were injured, so you couldn't chase him. So anything seemed like a run at that point. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was kind of like a like a like a slow walk, <laughs> <laughs> but I I couldn't chase him. You know, I saw him running away. When well, you were injured, running so, right. away, and, and it was oh, I was in so much pain, and uh, and yeah, so so I thought about it for a little while, and I just said I, I can't let my brother get away with this. I know he thought 
I know what happened. He was concerned that I was going to catch him on the Biggest Loser competition, and he knew I was going to get out on my bike. He wasn't he knew concerned I was going to go out and keep walking and stuff, and 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 catch him up and and pass him. So I think he was afraid about that. And uh, yeah, so I turned him in, and and the you turned him in. Yeah, I dropped the dime on. <laughs> and the uh yeah so the the He's gonna call his homies in dorchester the, yeah the limerick police department they told me that he was that he they couldn't find him right away they had to you know they they put it out in a, apb and a bolo and all those things and i i guess they finally caught up with him because he's not here tonight so so let me recap the first 10 minutes of the show yeah let's do this so the first 10 minutes of the show we have learned how to sneak Food into a theater. It's an important lesson. How to hit somebody Whoa. with a bat. Well, I mean, uh, and then get them arrested. If, truthfully, if you want to learn how to do that, Sean would need to be here. I just, if you no, want to turn no, out, no, he's he's the brick guy. He can show you how to throw a brick. Not no, it, a no, it was a, it was a. He used the baseball. It was like it was autographed by one of the Red Sox. Sox. Yeah, by one of the Red Sox. Maybe it was the eighth man out. I don't know. I don't know what so it white was. socks. Look at this. How come I feel like I'm more like important than I? So is this like the episode fifty one dinner in a movie? Yeah. Well, this, is, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, all right. So that's where Sean is, and hopefully, I mean, I don't think it's a felony. I mean, it was he just broke two tendons in my foot. I don't know. If that's a felony. <laughs> He'll probably be back in a week or two. I would guess. No hard feelings, Sean. You have to forgive him. Oh, and Sean says, "Oh, I forgave him as soon as he did it." Sean says I was on rollerblades. Oh, <laughs> that that explains see, a lot. But it was sense. really awkward because my work is all gravel, that so it was sense. really awkward. That makes sense. He was on rollerblades, so that's why. Yeah, he just rolled away. All right, it seemed like he was running. Yeah, did he yeah. fall? Yeah, he just ro- he fell a couple times. Well, Sean, it wasn't the best getaway in the world. Hopefully, you get out of jail soon and explain your side of the story because I got a funny feeling that your side is a lot different than what he said, but. Uh, you're missing a great show, man. You're missing a great show. You want the rant time? Let's do some rant. I got to ask him some questions. I think this is a partnership rant. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to include you in this rant, even though you don't know what it's about. Just do it. I'm ready. What kind of phone you got over there? Apple. How do you like it? I'm not happy with it. Why not? Because it doesn't remember my typing. Right? Yeah. That little button to turn the, the, the thing, the little button to push to silent. It's not that easy to push. Well, that's because you're that's supposed to slide one. it. And I got small fingers. You're supposed to slide it, not push it. So you said it. it's you, supposed to slide over? Yes. <laughs> you, oh, my God. Oh, this is not going well. Stop talking. Stop talking. You're ruining the rant. So you said all these I things. Thought, I thought he was, like, doing a bit. Are I thought you, you were serious? Dude, it was the hardest thing for the last two weeks. I'm like, I can't push this button. I can't push it. I'm getting so mad. I'm ranting to my wife. You just slide it? You know what's funny? Well, you no, know, you know what's funny? You just admitted that live on air. Oh, what live? Live on oh, air. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's crazy. Wow. What's going on our TikTok? And here's what I was thinking. <laughs> the day that you pushed that push. button, I just thought of this last night. Just last night as I'm trying to push this button, I'm like, man, he's really good at pushing this little button. I wasn't sure how you did it. You just slide it. <laughs> yeah, it's a click thing. Oh man, God. you just destroyed my rant. I just turned 47. I apologize. Oh Wow, you just destroyed my rant. Yeah, I don't so even know. What was the rant about? Yeah, I know. The rant was about because you said you hated it so much, I figured there must be something good about it. So I went and got one this week. 
Well, the little side button, don't push it. It's no, it's a slider for sure. I knew yeah. that when I was like 10. So you got an iPhone? Yeah, I did. I had it for 38 hours before I threw it in a blender and went and got another Trader. Android. You oh, did. good. You got rid of it. You got yeah, rid of it. I brought it back to the store and uh, and threw it through their window. So so the reason you... You know what? It, it doesn't remember your typing. I thought that was just you no. being you, but I looked it up. There's no way to get it to remember your email address. I also will be getting rid of the iPhone. Yeah, mine apparently wants you to Going be... back to the droid. Mine remembers. Mine doesn't remember anything. Anything. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that I didn't like. Mostly the facial recognition, which works really, really well when you have a mask on. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. It's Here's terrible. another thing: copy and paste, right? Copy and paste. I, I had the birthday, so you want to write thank you, and you copy it and you paste it on the comments. That's cheating, but okay. it, it, it only it only remembers it for like two minutes, and then when you go paste, there's nothing to paste anymore. You got to type it again. That is not true. No, that's not okay. true. That is not you true. You had to have done something to have, undo your I should, copy. I shouldn't have brought Tom in on this rant. I think he's ruining my point, but yeah. I'm but, not a big fan of the iPhone either, but I have one. Yeah. I got duped into getting one. He's duped. <laughs> I, John, I'm assuming you have an iPhone. Man, we're, at, we're all Apple, but there are times where... I have a Mac Pro at home, and there are times that I want to throw it through the window, man. There really? It is so unfriendly. Yeah. But I can't imagine leaving it because I've been doing Apple for 12 I years. I, I did just get a Mac Pro for work, um, and is it's not nearly as user-friendly as a no, PC, I don't think. Not. But, you know, when you need it to be You're on and it turns on. Although, that being said, though, I think if I spent 2500 bucks on a PC, I think it would work just as good. Just saying. I don't think. Yeah, for for a year. I don't understand mm -hmm. why you even got the, the iPhone. You knew you were going to return it. No. I bought an no, Android. did. I ordered an Android, and it didn't work with AT&T, even though it was supposed to. And so I needed one in a pinch, and I said, hey, I'll give this a shot. And I wanted to be one of the cool kids. I really did. I wanted but, to be one of those kids with the iPhone and the Apple thing on the back. You wanted one of those nifty silence switches. Yeah, I wanted one of the... Well, no, even the upgraded switches. version has a button that's really hard to push. <laughs> <laughs> but, jeez, uh, Tom... How did you not realize I, switch? I, this whole time, I'm telling you, even last night, he's gonna I was love the so iPhone now. It yeah. got, listen, this is how bad it was last night. Did it? I couldn't figure it out how to push it, so I just turned it off and went to bed. I turned the whole phone off and went to bed because I couldn't. This is you at like my house, man. This is you at 47. This that, is me at 47. So that's about the only thing that'll make my wife leave the room is is my Apple products. Yeah. I'll really? Get, I'll get so frustrated, man. I'm, oh, so. That she'll, she'll actually get up and leave the room. Question. Okay. How old is your MacBook Pro? Your Mac Pro? A year. I'm sorry. And I, it's I, very, it's, it, can, it does a lot of wonderful things. It does. But at times it just, just frustrates me. I do me a lot of no pictures way. at work. It does pictures really yeah. well and stuff like that. But there are certain things that you just like, come on. They could have made that easier. But they just didn't, you know, they wanted to do it their way. I'm amazed at the names I can come up with to call it. <laughs> It's very creative. <laughs> like Fred and Bob or what kind of names? Just Sean says those names once in a while <laughs> when he forgets that we're on the air. Right, Sean? <laughs> Jason says my daughter is laughing at Tom because even she knows it's a slide. <laughs> Probably the youngest one. Yo, man, yeah. I, I had no idea. I'm so I'm so glad I'm here. I seriously, I would have went, so I, Claire and I are taking a little getaway, we're, uh, 
I would have been on vacation the whole time trying to figure out how to push that button because it was frustrating me so much that I didn't know how to push a button. And then I'm trying to use my fingernail. I'm trying to use my fingernail to get right on top of it to push it. And I'm like, it's not pushing. I, I don't understand how you didn't even accidentally slide. It was just, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. All these times he's like jabbing it. Like you think by accident you would have turned it off at some point. Oh, like, I can't believe The other that. thing that there is, if you um, if you're trying to figure out how to do anything, really anything, in this world there we go. is you just there's this there's this search bar it's called google yeah you go in there and you're like how do i Shut silence? Up. that's a real thing so, yeah so hey you can put in how do i silence an iphone and they're like it's broken you know I was, what i was not gonna put on google how do you push a button because <laughs> i was not gonna be google how do you push a button you I know what trying. though that would be interesting what it would say back to you because e- even Google would be like, wait a second, you, you don't know, know it's a slide? You know what it could have done? <laughs> Google look, would look, not Dave, Dave, you Google go, would be Dave, like, Dave, why Dave, are you doing Dave, Apple? Dave, look, before you do that, Dave, you know what he could have did? Hey, Siri, how do I silence my phone? No, he doesn't know how to hit the Siri but button because he thinks it's it. a slider You don't button. need to say it. You don't need to hit a button. No, you're Siri. you're blowing Tom's mind She'll now. slide it for you? She just, it, I just woke her up. Say, hey, Siri. How She'll do you, slide that thing for she you? Won't no, slide no, it, no. She'll, she'll tell give you, you the answer. She won't slide it. She'll say, don't push, it. slide it? Well, she'll tell Ask you her. how to do it. Hey, Siri. How, how do, do you I silence my iPhone? What does it say? Push button or slide? I don't have my. <laughs> I don't have my glasses. Oh, so, how to slide? Look. How to slide? That's the first how thing to it put says. The iPhone on. It says slide. Oh, Thomas. Oh, wow. All oh, right, Thomas. Oh, well, man, that's, so I that's telling this... you how to go into settings. And well, everybody, this has been episode fifty-one of the Prodigal <laughs> yeah, this Sons. This is my last episode. Great being here. Thanks. Yeah, we we you know <laughs> we learned we learned how to sneak food into a theater and how to be old and try to use technology. And we're eating in front of you, like a lot of new things for our fifth or second fifty-first yeah. episode. Apparently, Sean goes to jail and things just go off the rails. <laughs> you know what? Why don't we get to know this guy for a little bit? So, uh, what are some of your hobbies? What do you like to do? Man, that caught me off guard. Yeah, that's um, how we do it. That's I like how we do to. It. Like, I like to write, and I like to play hoops. I like to run. You like I to love, run? I love crossword puzzles. You like to run? I love to run. Just to run? Run. That's awesome. Forrest Gump style. I used to, but not anymore. I I couldn't run for ten years. Then I lost some weight and got my knee better, and I just started running about a year ago. I run about. I probably run three miles a day, six days a week. Here's the number one question that arises when people tell me that. I'm just going to straight up ask. So is this bad for your knees? No. No. Mm-mm, not yet. I thought running I mean, was bad for I thought for your running knees. was bad for your knees. Well, it isn't yet. It isn't bad. I mean, I'm 61 and I feel great yeah, when I run. Man. Yeah. It's great for my say, head. I was going to say 43, but... Thanks, man. Tom looks more like 62. But. 62. <laughs> oh, he's lived a rough life. <laughs> I mean, apparently... <laughs> Uh, is that why my lights at home I can't get them on and off because I'm trying to push that thing that yeah, comes out of the wall? Yeah, it's you. You, you can't gotta, put. You gotta, gotta slide the knob. Slide thing. that yeah. thing on the wall. You just gotta start asking people. I, <laughs> just Google it. How do you turn the lights on in your house? Oh man, I can't believe that. But I guess you need light to Google something, so you're in trouble. Man, that is crazy. What do you do for work? I work at Vanguard. I've been there 20 years. It's it's weird. I worked in the warehouse for 19 years and six months. And um, I was two weeks away from forced retirement, and um, they offered me a job. 
Uh, so now I'm doing something I never did before, working from home, sitting at a desk in, a in front of a computer. And cool. uh, so I just celebrated 20 years there. Just cooking the books, huh? I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah. I got a trainer. Thank God he's a patient man. I'll tell you what. If you do have to cook the books, there's this guy we know named Dave Duncan. He'll yeah. hook you up. He used to work for Enron. No I think he not. just got out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says here, what is your favorite ice cream? That's a good. I think that's the most important thing we're going to learn tonight. Oh, uh, that's uh, peanut butter swirl. I guess it's it's vanilla and peanut butter. That's that's good yeah. stuff right there. Yeah, that's. that's how do good. you how do you feel about Tom eating right in front of you? <laughs> See, I'm upset. I thought, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, it smells good in here. No, I got to say, it does, it does it's smell a very really good it's a here. very <laughs> aromatic <laughs> atmosphere. See, see, here's here's where Tom made his mistake. You guys actually got the best parts of the Stromboli because you don't need a fork for it. Oh, the ends? You have the ends. So you you made it weird and awkward by using your fork. So now you can you just... You wanted me to put the whole thing in my mouth? Yeah, why not? Because then... Okay. Just be like... Mm -hmm. I will. But you were like this. Mm, what geez. you should do is put it on the floor and keep pretending like you dropped something. That's so funny because I was actually going to do something similar. I was just going to keep thinking... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, John, I'm going to ask you this question, but I don't think, compared to what anything that Tom said in the last 15 minutes, I don't think you can top it. <laughs> what is the most embarrassing thing that you did this week? Or two weeks, or month, or ever. Or ever, that's... <laughs> that's opening a can of worms there. I... I'm, I'm 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 almost by myself all day long, so that's a tough question. Let me think. Um, when you work by yourself, which I do now, is it gives you a lot of those moments where you're like I'm really glad nobody was around to see well, me I do guess, that. Well, I guess I don't know. <laughs> it was embarrassing, but I don't think anybody noticed. But I've been kind of not taking my pajamas off because of my job now, and so I just put my pajama, I put my sweats on over my pajamas and went to CVS and I was standing in line and I looked down and I could see the whole, like the top three inches of my pajamas were showing. I was, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but I was really well, they embarrassed. Yeah. No, that's yeah, a good no, one. People definitely noticed. And I got they... those like bright plaid pajamas, yeah, so it was clearly not. You're probably on Instagram. <laughs> Look at this old man. Was this within the first month of COVID or was this very recently? This was like within the last week. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's definitely that, It'll probably get on, uh, what's that thing when the mercury, when people complain about people wearing their pajamas to Walmart? Uh, 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 I don't know, it's like a sound off or Sound something? off, yeah. yeah. I'll probably be on sound off. Now, I heard that somebody told me there's a pretty cool story about you and a fly. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I, I said it was one of the greatest moments of my life. I I worked at a knitting mill and I uh, I snuck up on a fly with those long cloth shears, and a live fly on my desk, and I cut it in half. Wow, I'm sure somebody's gonna get really upset that you said that, but not me. Nah, nobody, not me. nobody, no, who, nobody likes not flies. A fly nobody likes flies. Like Peter's all over you, buddy. Yeah, nobody likes call. flies. Yeah. Hey, when that's what I'm gonna ask God, what's the deal with flies? Yeah. So was there a little bit of no, man, I cut him in half, man. He just went like this. Okay, I want to know, one, was there a witness to this? Yeah, there was. That's our next guest. And, and what is their phone number so I can call him right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> was this before camera phones? There was actually, I mean, 
this sounds crazy, but the whole it was like an EF Hutton commercial. The whole room was watching me. Oh, really? Yeah, but but I did have a but they they couldn't see from where they were, but they all just kind of stopped and watched. I was I was. It such, was first try. I was such a, a attention getter, desirer. Yeah. yeah. So was it first try? Uh, only try. I never tried so, it before or since. <laughs> Wait a second. You, that, you that, did that in the first try, and you never tried again. Just quit while you're ahead. What, what are the chances of having a pair of scissors in your hand and seeing a fly at, sitting somewhere, That's a good feeling point. all cocky and thinking I'm going to be here I'm as long as I'm on a limb and say Mr. Miyagi modeled his life after you? Because see, that's the thing that when Mr. Miyagi did that, with the chopsticks, caught, that was impressive. But this blows that away. Did you Absolutely. ever see when those kids hit like half court shots and they run around? Yeah. And that's what I was doing. But yeah. I had like two foot scissors in my hands. Yeah, I would just drop the scissors, quit the job, and walk. Oh down. no, man! I was high fiving everybody. It was a, that's all, I'd have been like, did you bury my house? It was, out. it was all downhill after that, man. Did you bury the fly? <laughs> no, man. I, he was done, man. You're you supposed to home. bronze that thing, yeah, man. Yeah, take him home, bronze I don't him. like flies. <laughs> I can tell. I don't like flies at I all. Tell. You're, you're supposed to hang that from your rearview mirror, man. <laughs> no, that's gross, man. <laughs> no, get it bronzed first. And then People you got fly swatters. Johnny's got scissors. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can make a t-shirt out of it. You got a fly swatter? I think no, we should. Just cut it. <laughs> We got we got an assistant producer that's been doing some stuff on his computer. We should see if he can make a T-shirt or something like that, a fly and scissors or something like that. Give you you could just make a picture of it and say it really happened. Yeah, it really. There happened. you go. So he says. So he, <laughs> that's what the back will say. Well, who could make that? So on? he says. So <clears throat> I am not going. I mean that you can't really. Have, I mean that's just an amazing story right there. So I want to get to the Bible verse and let's do it. Yeah, let's it. do it. But but I was uh, I was doing a little research today and uh, I came across First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And, and and it sounds kind of like a weird verse, but, but think about what I'm saying to you. The reason we have John here is because exactly of this verse right here, right? So he is going to share with us his testimony. And through his testimony, we are hoping that it touches somebody. It builds us up. The way he looks at life might be something completely different than the way we look at it, right? So it's always important to... to, to you know, kind of listen to people's story because there's always something cool that you can learn from it. Uh, a little backstory on John um, and who this guy is, especially to me. Um, I met John at Rifters. Rifters was an ice cream shop. And on Saturdays, we did something called Sobar, right? So Sobar is kind of like a bar atmosphere with no liquor. It's just all mocktails. We had a DJ there. We had karaoke. We actually had my, my wife was in charge of it. She did a phenomenal job running it. We actually packed it out. And I remember the first soap bar we had, I am very, very Most close to a lot really of good. the homeless they people. Were. Yeah, I was a lot, I'm real close to a lot of the homeless people in the Pottstown area. And I remember, and I have an open door policy when I have my business, right? So I remember soap bar happening and a particular homeless person came in who was kind of, if you didn't know him, you probably would not want to be around him. And I was having a hard time with it, you know, but I was at a time in my life where I knew that I had to serve. 
So that night I was kind of stressing out a lot. And Claire said, hey, I want you to meet somebody that might change your opinion on things. And she introduced this man to me. And he said to me that I need to have an open door policy in my ice cream shop. I oh, this to, was the guy who this did was that. I've heard this story this, like yeah, five times. This was times. the guy that changed my whole outlook on the homeless community. So Now, I had the outlook of I'm always helping the homeless. I'm doing everything. But I was separating the homeless when it comes to business. To me, it was like, all right, I can help you, but now this is my business establishment, right? And he made me realize that it's not my business. It's Jesus' business. It's not my tables. It's Jesus' tables. And if that homeless guy wants to sit on one of my tables, I can't tell him to get up because it's not my table. It's Jesus' table. Hmm. So from that point on, I was like, wow. We hit it off, and, and, and he's one of my mentors. I try to meet with him every single Thursday because just inspired by him. I'm excited to have him share. Um, we had his son two months ago, and he shared his testimony. But this man is is just an it's just. I remember one of the sessions. I don't want to call them sessions, but we meet every Thursday. And I remember sitting with him, and he and he said to me, "You know, I go through life looking at everybody like they're Jesus Christ." Hmm. I try. I try, and and that just stuck with me. I'm like, wow, you know, that's 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 what we're supposed to be. What's we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be servants and uh, it's a blessing to have him here and he's going to share his testimony and john i love you brother i love Take you it away, too man. i'm glad thanks. you're here thanks man so just before i start I, i've never shared my testimony outside of a recovery meeting so um this is a little unique for me and so it's a recovery testimony it's not um the, the amazing things that have happened since my recovery are probably a whole nother testimony. But anyway, this is my recovery testimony, and my, my hope is that it will um, give, give hope. Uh, so. Do I sound all right? No, you're good. Right. I just wanted to mute our mics okay. because I think we're going to So you guys it. can eat? <laughs> all right. The Gospel of John is my favorite book in the Bible, and my favorite scripture is the second part of chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So this is my story, the story of how the love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ has brought a wretched, wandering, prodigal son into the abundant life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and he's given me almost 11 years victory over a 35-year drug addiction, and he currently helps me with anger and angry outbursts. And this is my testimony. Although I have no conscious memory of the first two years of my life, I believe what occurred then had an awful lot to do with the person I would become. I spent the first year of my life with my real mom and her first husband, who wasn't my dad. He was an angry, abusive alcoholic and he would routinely come home at night drunk and beat me simply because I wasn't his son. Eventually, my mom left him and moved in with my real dad. They eventually abandoned me, leaving me at Catholic Charities and never coming back. After stints in different foster homes, I was finally adopted by the people who raised me and whose name I carry. These people, my adopted parents, are the mom and dad I refer to throughout my testimony, and they truly are my mom and dad. My first memory is me as a very little boy playing on the floor in the kitchen. The house is warm. My mom is cooking. It smells great. And what I feel is safe. And what I hope for is that nothing comes along to interrupt this. 
and through the turbulence of my life to come, that memory would haunt me as I searched for a place to feel safe and a place where I wasn't afraid. Because the truth is, I never felt safe and I was always afraid. Growing up, my family seemed like one to be envied, especially if you were a boy who loved sports, and I was. My father had been involved in Major League Baseball, and through the 60s, he was a minor league manager. Every season, as soon as the last day of school ended, my mom, sister, and me would pack up the car and drive to wherever dad was managing that year, and we'd spend the summer there. For me, this was heaven. My dad would be the first at the ballpark and the last to leave. I'd be there with him every day. When the team went on road trips, Dad would take me along almost all the time, staying in big old-fashioned hotels, running up and down the halls until I got yelled at, the sounds of the bus motoring through the night mixed with whispered conversation, card games, and laughter. These are all great memories. I was shagging fly balls at batting practice with future major leaguers by the time I was 10 years old. My summers were as idyllic as anyone could ever imagine. And I used to joke that after a childhood like that, life could only go downhill. So in 1971, because of his health, my dad retired from baseball, got a job in town, and we began living a more normal, regular family lifestyle. Now, my mom and dad loved me, and my pops loved me and cared for me. He was a good, good man, and I have endless joyful memories of my time with both of them. But those wonderful memories were gone for many years, replaced by those formed around the dysfunction of our home. The coping skills modeled to me for dealing with difficult circumstances were often very unhealthy. Anger, rage, blame, alcohol, isolation, hurtful behavior, never apologized for. These things kind of became the template for conflict resolution in our home. And as the outbursts became more routine, my fear and my own personal rage grew. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. My dad was on again, off again, but my mom was and remained very devout throughout her life. She was the greatest example of a person walking in faith I've ever had. I watched my mom turn her life over to Jesus every day for as long as I knew her. In eighth grade, with life at home becoming more and more difficult, my mom joined a charismatic Catholic prayer group at our church. I went with her every Wednesday. We even went to a giant prayer meeting at Notre Dame. Extremely pressured to both accept Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I did both on the bus ride back, but I didn't mean it. My heart wasn't in it. In fact, I thought they were all crazy. From the time I was first able to make choices, I began to develop a habit of lying that I would hone to perfection, a habit I carried well into my adult life, a habit that would leave me morally and spiritually bankrupt. I felt I could get out of anything I'd gotten into and I gave no second thoughts to the consequences, both personally and relationally, that came with my complete lack of integrity. I got in a lot of trouble, mostly innocent trouble, but I was viewed by priests, nuns, and my mom as someone with great spiritual potential. And I did really want to be good, to follow God and to serve Him in my life. But as things continued the way they did, my resolve weakened. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and I felt I had nowhere to turn. I began to question God. I began to question His goodness and His love. How could He let things be the way they were? How could a loving God allow for such sadness and fear? I began to see God as I saw all men, through lenses of fear and anger. And slowly, I began to hate God. Finally, when I was 14 years old, 
after a routine night at home, something snapped in me. I gave in to the other side, and for many years I never looked back. I went to bed thinking the heck with God, the heck with faith, the heck with being good, the heck with all of it. I would take care of me. And my behavior became increasingly self-protective, selfish, and destructive to me and to all those around me. Almost immediately, I began drinking. I had resisted many of my friends' offers to get high, but now I said yes. I didn't get high the first time I smoked, but the second time I did, and it was the greatest feeling I'd ever had. All my worries, fears, disappointments, everything dissolved into a hazy, giddy world of non-reality. And I at once became obsessed with getting high. Although I still drank, and I drank a lot, Getting high was more fun for me, and I quickly added harder, more mind and body altering drugs to my smoking habit. So for the next 14 years, I spent my life pursuing personal pleasure at 100 miles an hour. There was no drug, no amount of alcohol, no sexual exploit, no dare I wouldn't try. I embraced immorality and rebellion. I reveled in the dark side. Feeling worthless and having no faith in people, love, or God, I saw no reason wasting time trying to be good. In almost every area of my life, if I knew what was right, I did wrong. In temperament, I boiled with rage and anger. I began verbally abusing my mom and fell into a pattern of physical abuse that started with high school girlfriends and continued into my first marriage. I often think of how I stayed alive or out of jail during those years, and I'm sure it was God's hand. Isaiah 14, verse 24 says, The Lord Almighty has sworn surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will stand. I believe even though I was living to die, he desired to keep me alive for his plans. So many nights I'd get so wasted on booze and drugs, wake up the next morning not remembering driving home, or I actually would remember and marvel that I'd survived and not killed someone else. These events never made me reconsider my lifestyle. In fact, they only pushed me to go even further into my death-defying behavior. On the surface, I felt invincible, but deep down in my heart, I wanted to die. I was sure there was no one or nothing in the world for me. I even joined the Marines in 1980, thinking it may help, but I came out three years later deeper and stronger in my addictions to drugs, alcohol, and sex. Booze, pot, meth, acid, downers, and all the sexual activity I could accomplish, that was my life and God was never even a thought. I was dealing and using meth at a rate that was deadly, and it began to get me in trouble with people. At that point in my life, on June 13, 1986, my 27th birthday, one of the women I was cheating on my first wife with told me she was pregnant. She eventually became my second wife, and we had two children. Although I carried on my same crazy lifestyle for another five months and had decided to have nothing to do with her or that baby, I went home one night and lying in bed, I realized I didn't want to be like my real dad and abandon my child. I kept thinking how I never want my child to think and say about me what I thought and said about him. I wanted to be responsible to my daughter. And that night, for the first time in my life, I felt there was something, someone worth living for. I don't pretend to understand the way God works, but I really believe my daughter's arrival was not only the catalyst that began changing my life, but it actually saved my life. And I have no doubt now that God's hand was in that. So this began a new stage in my life, one I was completely unprepared for. 
Some things I gave up easier than others. Hard drinking and heavy drugs were surprisingly easy, but adultery and pot were not. And anger. I remember holding my daughter in my arms the day she was born, crying and saying, this is a good reason to stop getting high. 22 years later, I was still getting high. Along the way, I got married and divorced a third time and continued to struggle with serious anger issues. I got intensive counseling for these issues, and although I was able to learn to control my physical anger, I continued to verbally abuse my kids, my wives, and anyone I could get away with. I was an abusive bully, flying into the same obscenity-laced rages I had witnessed that made me both fear and loathe. Through all these periods, I continually tried to stop smoking weed. AA meetings, self-help books, any new age idea that I heard about, but of course, never God. And the cycle just went on and on. Get high, feel guilty, promise to quit. Get high, feel guilty, promise to quit. Around 2000, after a bizarre encounter with Jesus during a full-court basketball game, I accepted him as my savior. And in 2004, I made a serious commitment to try and turn my life over to him. I finally realized the insanity of going it alone, especially in my relationships. In 2005, I married my spiritual mentor, next-door neighbor of 10 years, and best friend, Robin. I stopped committing adultery. I began to gain real victory over my anger issues as I began reading the Word and seeking the Lord through church and small groups. But through all this growth, I continued to get high. I just couldn't stop. Even a marijuana DUI wasn't enough. Driving up Ridge Pike, steering with my knees, lighting a bowl, pulled over and verbally humiliated in front of dozens of stopped cars. A husband, father, grandfather, supposed spiritual head of our family, led away in handcuffs. And still, this wasn't enough. I quit until my case was closed, then went right back to smoking. Before work, at lunch, on the way home, multiple times a day, every day, every single day. My family knew, but never talked about it. It was our family secret. And although I had a strict no drug use in the house rule for the kids, I would sneak out on the deck every two hours and smoke. I was a hypocrite. My family saw me that way, and I knew that that's how they saw me. And I couldn't understand it. How could I have experienced so much healing, so much victory and growth over so many different things, but still couldn't stop getting high? I now know what I didn't know then. The drug that I had embraced at 14 years old to relieve me from the fear and hurt from what others had done to me had somehow over the years evolved into the drug that relieved me from the shame and guilt of what I had done to others and the pain that I had caused them. Then in early 2010, during a small group, my life was changed. Sitting in a room with lifetime Christians, lifetime Bible readers, I never felt comfortable. And to be honest, I didn't think I belonged in the same room with these much better Christians. Then one of the men gave his life's testimony and it floored me. He shared openly and honest to everyone, including strangers of a life filled with decades of addiction. I don't know what shocked me most, the fact that this man who seemed to me so perfect had a deep, dark history just like I did, or the boldness with which he told his story. He then talked about Celebrate Recovery. He spoke about how his life began to change when he confessed his sins to another. He spoke of Jesus' forgiveness in his life and how his blood can erase the shame and guilt. And he spoke of a life nearly destroyed, restored by Christ. 
He quoted Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. And I felt he was speaking to me. And then and there, for the first time ever, I began to feel hope. So it took me a couple weeks, but I finally called him and we met for dinner. He told me how CR worked. We agreed that I would call him whenever I got high. I don't think he expected me to call him first thing in the morning and tell him I'd got high that night on the way home and first thing in the morning. But he responded to me on the phone with love, compassion, and encouragement, something I was not used to from a man. When we finished talking, instead of feeling lousy, I felt even more hopeful than ever. I can't say enough about the importance of an accountability partner. Once we become adults, we are accountable to no one but ourselves if that's what we choose. And I clung to that independence for decades, feeling I only had to answer to myself. And this is a dangerous proposition. As silly as it may sound, being able to tell someone who cares about you that you've done something you don't want to do can be a real healthy, effectual deterrent. So that night I threw away my pot. Now this wasn't a big deal. I had thrown it away dozens of times over the years, swearing to quit. Two days later, I attended my first CR meeting. I went 28 days clean, got high, took a deep breath, made that call and confessed. That was April 20th, 2010, and I've never gotten high again. That memory of me sitting on the kitchen floor feeling safe and unafraid is still fresh as ever in my mind, but it no longer haunts me. I am safe and unafraid in the arms of my Father God's love, in the love of my wife, my family, the church, and the loving embrace of the people and program of Celebrate Recovery. The men in my early life filled me with fear and mistrust, and the men at CR have shown me that I can be treated with love, kindness, care, and trust by a man. The man whose testimony changed my life has been my accountability partner, sponsor, mentor, and is my first real male best friend. In CR, there are men who love me, and they're not ashamed to say it. We laugh together, share together, we cry together, and most awesome of all, we pray together. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And this scripture has come to life in my CR experience. I could never describe the healing feeling that happens when we finally speak out loud to someone we trust, someone we feel safe with, the pain of what has been done to us and the guilt of what we have done to others. I know because I held those things in for a long, long time. Society teaches men to be tough, to not admit weakness, to stand on their own, to fix ourselves. But through step one, I came to understand that admitting I can't control my addiction is not a weakness. In step two, I came to understand that only a power greater than me, Jesus Christ, could free me from the insanity of my life. Step three showed me the importance of turning my will over to Jesus every day, sometimes every moment. And in step nine, I realized the healing power of reaching out to people I had hurt and making amends. And I cling to step 10. We continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. For years, I refused to confess my sins to the Lord. Whether I was angry at him or hated him, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But now I understand that those unconfessed sins keep space between the Lord and me, and I don't want that anymore. I want to be as close to him as I can be every moment. Psalm 32 verses 1 to 5 speak to the healing relationship 
of confession and forgiveness between me and my Lord. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Amen. 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 The first time I read my testimony, I said these words. My father's past, and although we made peace face to face, I'm not sure if I've made peace in my heart. And that night driving home, I began to cry tears of great comfort and joy. I knew I could feel in my heart that by sharing, it had completed an important step in my healing with Dad. I knew that I'd truly forgiven him, and I also remembered how cruel I had been to him. All of this was an important step in my healing with Dad. That forgiveness has brought great freedom to my life. I'm able to view my dad now in the full spectrum of our life together and see all the really good things he did to me. To have memories of him I now cherish. He was a great dad, and I love him and miss him dearly. I was also able to walk an amazing journey with my mom in her last years. Clean and sober, I was able to serve her and care for her. We spent many, many hours speaking about family, love, and Jesus. Oh, how my mom loved to talk about Jesus. And we couldn't seem to say I love you enough to each other. And none of this could have happened if I was still walking in the selfish world of my addiction. Working through the steps and principles of CR has brought a healing of the shame and guilt that kept me imprisoned in an addiction. Jesus has freed me to live a life of restoration and hope. I've taken my rightful place as head of my family, but now with full integrity. My, my story can't be complete without sharing a few moments on Robin. She is my spiritual parent, my mentor. She is my true north. She has led me to every new place on this journey of my relationship with Jesus, accepting him as my savior, surrendering to his unconditional love, reconciling with the Father, becoming aware of and accepting, seeing the movement of the Holy Spirit, Robin led me to all of these places. In the prelude to John's Gospel, the author de describes Christ as the light that darkness has not overcome. And that's exactly what she has been to me. As a next-door neighbor, friend, best friend, girlfriend, fiancé, and wife of 15 years, Robin has literally shined the light of Jesus on me every day I've been with her. I don't get out of bed in the morning without thanking God for her. And I absolutely adore her. So I used to believe in and have faith in nothing. I had no hope, and now my life is forever hopeful. Romans 15, 13 is a blessing for us all. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for letting me share. Wow. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I know both of these guys, myself included, but both of these guys want to ask you about that basketball court. <laughs> so I'm is just that, gonna is be that obvious? Wasn't that obvious? Oh, is that obvious? Yeah. As really? soon as you said basketball said, court, yeah. these guys' eyes went out. Because he said he had an encounter with Jesus at the basketball court. And I'm like, I want to have an encounter. With was him. it the picture? Oh, he wasn't in the chain that I sent when I saw showed the guy when Jesus calls you in the third quarter. It looked like he was like levitating. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but what was that like? I mean, I need just a little bit of detail on that. You know, in 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 all of my life. Um, all almost every impactful moment I've had with the Lord has been around some kind of physical activity. It's just when we connect. But anyway, I was I was living in Rorsford, and I was man, I was I was just living the dark life. And I was down at Victory Park. What year was this? Um, come on, man. Um, it was late nineties, I think. Um, yeah, like maybe 99 or 2000. Um, and I mean, I, I was, I was on the right wing running down a fast break. Um, and, and this had never happened to me before where I heard anything like, like this, you know, and I heard as if somebody was standing behind me, everything that is good comes from me. Even this comes from me. Wow. And I stopped. And I and I tell you, I can fill a lane and I stopped. Oh, I know you can fill a lane. And <laughs> and I'm and I was like, Well, you don't want to know what I said. And I I honestly turned around and there was nobody there. And I was like, holy cow. And it I, I didn't hear it again, but it just stuck. Everything good. Even this comes from me. So I finished the game. I ran home. Robin was my next door neighbor then. Robin was the was the Christian in the neighborhood. So my wife and I walked over next door and she led us both to accepting Jesus as our Savior. So that's how that happened. But I got to tell you that, you know, I am grateful for that moment and I'm <clears throat> grateful that I was saved. But it took me a solid five years before I even began to, I mean, I, I walked away from that the next morning. It took me five years. You say you walked away from that. What, what do you, I just what continued. Do you I wouldn't just continue. I just the... continued living my life the way I lived it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I had this, Robin would tease me because <sighs> It's kind of weird, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I mean, I love Jesus, and I just, I, I was so mad at the Father for so many years, yeah, like decades and decades and decades. And you know, I'd, I'd pull up that argument that all people pull up. You know, well, if He's such a great God, fill in the blank, right? You know, and Robin would be like, "You love God, <laughs> you just don't want to admit it," and I'd be like, you know, and, and uh, so I was very. Um, I was my own higher power and yeah. very rebellious. <clears throat> so that moment was an important moment, but it took me a while before I surrendered to it. It's funny that you say those words because that's what I always say. I said, if you don't believe in God, then you believe that you are a God. Because I think I don't think you can have it either way. 
I yeah, and I, I I think if if you're rejecting God, you're kind of elevating yourself to your the, the highest power. You know, I and the funny thing is, like I don't know too many. I haven't interacted with too many people who share this. It's I mean, I never ever didn't believe in God. Right. I just didn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, and along the lines of what you said. I didn't trust him or anyone else, so I was my higher power. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I even <clears throat> that's why I, that's why I had no hope because I'm like, well, this is a disaster. <laughs> you know, I can see it being a disaster every day, but yet I didn't have any faith in in turning that you know higher you know looking for that higher power in God. I, there was a lot that you said in the beginning that I want to touch on, but I want to jump close to the end. What Tom and I have talked about, maybe even yesterday, your Robin, his Claire, his Lisa. We just spoke on how important it is to have that person. If that person is going to be the number one person in your life, that Christ is in both of you. It is in both of you. And from this moment on, that is exactly how I want my life to be. If there is not, if you're not, if Christ isn't in you, then I'm not in your life. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be around it. And you, and from seeing Dave and hearing Tom, and then you sitting here saying the same exact thing. That's not a coincidence. No, it's no. not. It's not a coincidence. No, it's not. Thank you for sharing it. Good. Thank well, you. Yeah. Real, real fast, real quick. Go ahead, man. I know when, are you saying Batman needs a Robin? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I didn't want to be the one to say it, but you did. Um, but when, I didn't want to be. The, but when you said you felt hope for the first time, what was that feeling like? What did it feel like? It it was oh my gosh, dude! It was so exciting. It, it was like tingling your skin, man, because I never had it. You know, I even, even, like I said, I was going to church, I was going to small groups and, and I just had no, I, I just had no hope. I just kept thinking, I'm going to keep trying my best, but I'm just going to keep being a failure. I'm going to keep being a loser. I'm never going to be able to, you know, I'm, I'm this close to God and I just can't get through that wall. And that point was, was that at 2000 or was that after you? No, become, that was after, after, that was around 2010 when okay. I, and I heard that gentleman's testimony and Gotcha. And that that feeling was like, oh my gosh! But the intensity that you just explained to us in that feel is the same intensity Tom said he felt basically when that day yeah. he was in church and he stood up, sanctified, and started yeah. singing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, we, we we've had this discussion. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm connecting the dots on my own though, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't need you to. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I mean, there's so many parts of the journey that there's so many ingredients to it, like. I, like I remember even like just a month before that, that encounter with that gentleman's testimony, uh, we were at church we went to Morningstar then and, and they, they sang how he loves the Crowder song. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. And, and I'd never heard it. And like that moment, I realized that God loved me. I realized because I always had this, here's was my attitude before that day. My attitude was like, I know I'm going to heaven because I've accepted Jesus as my savior. I know I'm forgiven, but I can just see them up there and Jesus saying, 
I guess we got to let him in. I mean, he's playing by the rules, but this guy, come on, this guy. And that's how I it's felt, like the, you know? It's like the last guy I picked in, in gym for basketball. Yeah, it's like you got to pick him. You got to be but... kidding me. Can't we just, you know, not let this guy in? And now, since I've been in recovery, I meet countless guys who think that way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that day when I realized that I was loved unconditionally, that was a, that was a, that was another one of those just little moments along the way that you, you then you begin to move in that knowledge, you know, and you begin to make decisions based on that knowledge. Hmm. I have one, one follow-up that I'd be remiss if I didn't get in about Robin. You said you were on the basketball court and you heard God talk to you. What made you go talk to Robin about it? What had she done in the past that led up to you saying, this is, my Christian person that I have to go to? Well, I think, you know, the easy answer would be she was the only one in the neighborhood, but that's not really the, and the depth of it. She Actually, before you answer, the reason I'm asking the question is because I think there's a lot of people who go to church and are Christians who don't feel like they're making a big difference uh -huh. to their neighbors and to their friends and that sort of thing. So what was it that she did that other people can sure. model? That's sure. that's why I'm asking. Exactly. And that's, that's the answer. I mean, she modeled... I mean, she is, she was, I mean, you just saw Jesus in everything she did. I mean, Robin was a single mom going to school, working, raising four kids and a grandson in her house. And her life was as chaotic. Her life made my life look organized. And, but she was never not kind, never not empathetic, never not giving never didn't stop and smile and say a kind word. Mm. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, we talk about these things and I experienced it, that thing where you get to the point where it's like, what is it with this? What is it with you? You know, before I ever walked in her house, it's like, you know, we began talking, just going in and out of her house. You know, what is it with you? And, and you know, so she just exuded Christ-like behavior to where... She was inviting in a very wholesome way. She was in, you, you felt, no matter what you thought about God, you felt invited to be in her space because you always left feeling better, always. And you'd go in her house and her Bible was, old. she might not even be there. She might be putzing around doing something, but her Bible would be on the table open, you know, Gribbling all through it, pages tattered and torn, mm. you know, just, I mean, she just exuded it. And her life was, gave her all the opportunity to say, you know, I don't want to do this. Mm. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally feeling guilty about like... <laughs> Not doing enough for my neighbors right now. But. <laughs> you better stop. You better stop. You better stop. Your neighbors and yeah. You better stop. You definitely don't need to be feeling that way. No, for my neighbors, like when their trash blows into my yard, and I'm like, "What's up with the trash?" Should you like, I need to pull a tom and be like, "I'm just gonna pick this up." No, I'm you, gonna go ask them if they need anything. And I'm gonna bring them a pie. You, <laughs> no, you pray for the trash. Pray for the trash. Yeah, that's the tom thing. You pray for the trash. All right, whatever. Okay, I'll pray for the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should still do something. Maybe make him a pie or something. Oh man! So so I mean, wow. So it's cool because 
you know, I, I started out by saying how much he means to me, how he's one of my mentors, um, how I meet with him on a weekly basis, but I've never heard his testimony, right? So I'm in the same spot as you guys. We talk all the time, but I never heard the testimony. Um, I knew that it had to be an amazing testimony because I've been around him for a while. I've been around his son. And, 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 I, and I know that there's a background there. I just didn't know it. You did not know he was a fly murderer. I did not know that he enjoyed <laughs> cutting flies in half. That's, that's, it's so funny to me, though, because I remember seeing it for the first, like when I saw Mr. Miyagi doing that, I'm like, that's really hard. But to do what he did? <laughs> that's how you guys are going to remember this lovely. night. Well, yeah. now I know what the t-shirt should say, but I don't think I could say it on the air. Something about Nyhaus makes Miyagi nothing. Yeah, I'm out. That's all I can say on the air. <laughs> Guys, the reason we're doing this guestimony, uh, we're going to try to do it every two months, is because there's a true story there to tell of, of, of yeah. brokenness, right? Of, of, of a spot where, where you're, you're in a situation where you're like, well, why would anybody even want to bother me, even though I've turned my life, I've, I've chosen evil over good, I've made the decisions of going bad purposely, right? Yeah. But yet we find the grace of Jesus, the grace of God there to forgive us by, by just asking him, by, by just trying to walk with him, by just trying to do what's right. And, and, and it's, it's, it's across the board. It's across the board. And, and, and for you that's watching that you're thinking, man, but, but my life is so broken. That's why we bring these people in. You know, you've heard my testimony. We're all prodigal sons. You've heard all our testimonies up here. We all have that background of like, what? You know, I remember this past Sunday standing in front of the church as the pastor is introducing me as, as a new employee. And I'm thinking, I'm not worthy. You yeah. know, I'm not worthy. What am I doing here? I, I, I was actually, thinking the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, all that that I have done. And yet God is willing to forgive me and not only forgive me, but use me. Amen. To shed the light on other people that are possibly going through all the craziness that I went through. So I want to thank you sure. for sharing that story because we all have our own story to share. And, 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 and listen, if you want to share your story, please contact us because our next guest is, we don't know. So we're looking <laughs> for one. So yeah, if you're definitely interested in giving your testimony and, and telling people what Jesus has done in your life. Please, get a hold of us. We'd love to hear it. Well, we're going to need a pastor to pray at the end of the show. Okay. And I'm not a pastor. Elijah's not a pastor. You can just pass over me for that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, please start writing. Are we done? Well, we, we still got to pray. Okay. Do you want to leave? Do you have to go? No, no. I, I wanted to say one last no, thing. No, we're not If I could. Speak, just yes. just interrupt just, and do it. I yeah. want to pontificate. No, but, um, you know... You know, I've been I've been thinking about this all week uh, since you called me. And, you know, God is love and love is everything. And love, when all when everything else is gone, there is love. But I, I really believe the most powerful force in the universe is grace. Mm. You know, think about it. Without grace, we would never be able to experience that love. You know, the grace of forgiveness, of kindness, of empathy, of making amends, you know, and the grace that God pours into us and then the grace that we pour out into the community. That's 
That's how love happens. But all this whole story is just a wash in grace. That's all it is. It's just grace upon grace upon grace. And there's something that can be learned there about uh, tr not to judge each other. And I mean, that's what Jesus told us, right? Is, yeah. to, is to not judge each other. But because the one thing that jumped out in your testimony was that you were a Christian. You were still struggling with drugs and you got arrested, right? You got that right? Yeah. You were a Christian when you got arrested. Yeah. And it's like, if somebody sees that, I mean, especially in like the, the instant judgment culture that we're in is like, well, obviously that's not a Christian. Well, no, it's, I mean, everybody fails and everybody's working on something, no matter how long you've been, you know, on, on the road to redemption or, or, or how short, but like everybody's working on something. And just because somebody looks perfect doesn't mean they're saved by grace. Amen. And just because somebody's saved by grace doesn't mean that they're perfect. Amen. And so I think there's a, there's a big lesson to learn there about like not making snap judgments about people when just because they've had a failure, you know, and that's, I heard somebody talking on the radio the last few weeks is say said that's how you know what a true friend is because in your worst moment they still got your backs. Yeah. I found new friends in my worst moment. Yeah. Became, and, and they became brothers. Yeah. Can't get rid of me now. Who's that? Who's your brothers that you speak of? You should bring them in sometime. Yeah. Get them on the show. These friends of yours that you're speaking of, you should, you should tell us. I'm speaking highly of them now because they're not here. <laughs> that one friend yeah. you have. That one. <laughs> He's in jail right now for hitting somebody yeah. in the ankle. Yeah, those are, those are great friends you're hanging out with right there, buddy. It was wonderful having you on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was an awesome testimony, man. Thanks, man. That, that grace thing, guys, it's so important. A lot of you that see me at church and, and sometimes during the songs I cry. The reason I cry during those songs, grace. Yeah, I start thinking, what? 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 Who is yeah. she? Grace? It's Grace. Yeah, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> I used to, I used to fight that so bad. Is like, like thinking that everything that I have, I deserved. Yeah, and you know, it's like that's what Pastor said this week. Is yeah. like, you, you don't have anything but by grace, no matter how hard or how little you work. Like, you know, and that's that's really really powerful to know. No, no matter what we do, we can still become over overcome by grace. Yep. Amen. Guys, if you have any prayer requests, um, please put them up. I don't think I've seen any go by yet. Just um, just pray for them anyway. But yeah, I will pray for, for all just prayers. Just pray for all of them. Elijah, my yeah. brother, you got any prayer requests today? <clears throat> yeah, I'll just... <laughs> pray, pray for my Apple skills? No, um, I'll, you know what? I'll praise today. Um, again, my dad, his... He had took a turn for the worse, but now he's back up. He's better. And he was actually talking to me yesterday. And with things, the way things are and how things are going, no matter the relationship you have with a parent, just to hear them say, I love you means the world. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy that he was able to talk to me. Awesome. I love praises. John. Uh, yeah, I have a, um, if I tell you their name, they'll get mad. Um, you don't have to someone very close to me who's going through chemo. Um, it, and it, 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 every, all signs point to a good result. 
but just going through the chemo is really um, challenging for them. And I just pray that they can keep their courage up and that their um, struggle is, you know, just how it feels. Um, they just went in today for their second round that it's just the Lord will kind of just ease the pain a little, help them get through it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. David Duncan, whichever David Duncan you are. Turn. Yeah, I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. He has so many different personalities. <laughs> yeah. He's um, such a popular name. I'm doing good today, man. Good. I'm just, I got, I, I'm just thankful for Grace. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just soaking that up right now. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a praise because to hear you say that is a praise. Uh, producer, Sada. Um, so for all you guys that don't know, Sarah has an octopus right I now. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, guys. That's cool looking. Can you just go show that off? Um, I want to uh, pray and praise for Jackie Smallwood, um, one of our wonderful listeners. Um, she just moved into a new place, and she is currently in quarantine for two weeks. So, you know, some people should... Uh, uh, say hi to her and be like, hey, how can I make sure you're not bored? Because she just That's the pig. In. I'm going to hang out. Any others? Any other requests from the, the live panel? studio? We got so many people here. No one else? Brian, anything? I'm thankful that I'm feeling mentally stable. You awesome. look great. Okay. I was gonna tell you that you look. That's that's awesome. I always want to steal his shirts and sweaters, though. He's yeah. got an awesome shirt on today. Uh, he knows I like it. <laughs> oh, you already commented uh, yeah, on it. I don't want that. <laughs> you got to get a second job to buy that shirt. I know, man. We might have to get John on here more often because everything is almost a praise today. God is good. And all I'm, the time. And all the time. Oh, God is good. It almost feels like everybody's here already. I mean, like, I don't think we're missing anybody. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no. It's like, good. good. What are you doing next Tuesday? Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> I, mean, you I got to get back to CR, man. This is freaking me out not being there. It's all, hard, right, it's all right. We'll get Sean <laughs> back. It's, it's, I told Donna, I'm like, I'm like Donna, are you, you going to be okay? I'm taking your number one dude away from you on, like, your second week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let's let's pray for her and the amazing job that she's doing over there. Amen. Too. Amen. All right, uh, guys, if you have any other prayers, um, please God bless you, brothers, family, and friends. All right, let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you, just praising your name, Lord. We just thank you for all the praises today. It's so exciting to go around the room, and especially coming out of a year like 2020, where where all of the first 50 episodes it just seemed like every single prayer request was was just something that 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 we don't really want to go through but but today just seems a little different it seems like like there's a lot of praises there's a lot of work that you're doing in this building and this in these people's lives in this room lord and it's just exciting to see everything that's going on lord thank you for for grace your grace that you that you show us every day through these blessings lord this show that we have it's a blessing to be doing this show, Lord. It's not, it, we don't take it for granted. We just praise your name and we do it for you, Lord. We want to bring Elijah's father to, uh, to you right now, Lord, as a praise, as we've been praying for him for quite a few weeks now, Lord. And, and, and he's able to, to talk to Elijah and he, he seems like he's doing better. And, and the beautiful thing about it is that Elijah knows not to take any of these days for granted, Lord. 
because we all know that all our number our days are numbered here, Lord, and we just got to love everybody as much as we can and, and just portray the best love of you that we possibly can, Lord. We also pray for John's friend, Lord. You know who they are. They're going through chemo. They just went through their first treatment, getting ready to go for their second, Lord. And and I, I personally in my, in my family haven't had a lot of experience with the whole horrible cancer thing, Lord. But from what I know from friends and other people is that going through chemo is not an easy thing, Lord. It's an ugly thing and it affects people different ways, Lord. And we just pray that you can be with John's friend. Keep them, give them the courage to continue to keep going and just give them the strength and let them know that you are with them, Lord. We also pray for Jackie, Lord, as, as that's a praise, Lord, because she has been in lockdown forever, forever and ever. And, and, and it's such a blessing that, that she moved. She's in quarantine right now for two weeks, Lord. But, but what a blessing she is, Lord. The more that I research on Jackie, the more I find that she's just a, been in this church forever and has done a lot for this church. And, and all the ministries that she's launched, Lord, is something that I want to do. And it's just amazing to see that you've had this work in this church way before I got here, Lord. So we just praise you for Jackie Smallwood, Lord, as she's She's just such a blessing to this church, and we just can't wait to be with her again, Lord. We also want to pray for Brian, Lord. Brian, we, 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 he went through some tough past few months, Lord, and, and, and with situations where I almost didn't even recognize my good friend, my brother Brian, Lord. But, but I see him today. I see him shining. I see him in, in, with, with, his, with, his, with, with his mental frame of mind is just doing really well, and he just... He seems like he's doing really well, Lord, and I just thank you for that because he's a blessing to this church. We love having him here, and he's just, he's, he's part of the family, Lord, and we just thank you that he's here. And he's and I, I want to thank you that he realizes that he's getting better, Lord, because I know that that in itself is a struggle. We just thank you for him, Lord. He's just such an amazing person. We also want to pray for Donna Campbell, Lord, as you put a new role in her, a new position for her, a new role in her life, and she's just accepted it with open arms lord it's not an easy role with comes with a lot of responsibilities and and we just thank you for 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 her lord she's such a blessing and she's just willing to be a servant to you lord and and that's all that that we have to be a servant to you lord and we just thank you for 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 her example that she's setting in in that establishment of celebrate recovery lord we pray for all the other uh ashley has to praise god for supportive family and friends and praise God that she's doing better after her hospital stay, Lord. We thank you for Ashley. We thank you for another praise. And we just thank you because just you're, an, you're an amazing God, Lord. We pray for Prodigal Sons podcast, Lord. Lord show well, 51 episodes, Lord. We never thought that we would make it to 51, Lord. We started this just for you, and you still have us doing it, Lord. So you are not done with this show, Lord. We just praise your name. We thank you because we know it's all for your glory, Lord. Thank you for John. Thank you for bringing him. Thank you for for sharing, having him share his life, those intimate moments of his life that are not easy to share. He shared, Lord, and he shared it for the purpose of, of helping others, Lord, for the purpose of sharing that love and showing that if God gave grace to him and helped him out after all the times that he just, as a Christian, turned away from you, Lord, that's just an example of how great you are, Lord. And mm -hmm. we just thank you for that. <clears throat> thank you for everything, Lord. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, <clears throat> before you talk, I have a surprise for you. For me? For you guys. Uh-oh. Close your eyes. Uh, Go on. 
Oh, mine are close because I love surprises. Oh, oh, oh. I brought you cannolis. We got cannolis. Uh, Holy so cannoli. We're going to go now. <laughs> before, before we go, I got. I think I got something to say. Because I have to do the outro. Is this because, like, are we going off the air now? 51 episodes? Is that, like, our fi- final? Oh, yeah. We get, the, like, this we get, celebration. I'm done. Yeah, we get cannolis because it's our last episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, that, that's we, not bad. We also got stromboli, <laughs> so I was like, I want cannoli. Stromboli and cannoli. All right. <clears throat> Got a verse. I'm going to take us out with a verse. Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give the glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. So, I'm going to try and do this like Dave. Good luck. <laughs> All right, here we go. I hope we made you laugh, cry, think, and become and become more inspired. Inspired to love your neighbor. <clears throat> inspired to respect each other. Inspired and even to learn more. How to use an iPhone. And the, <laughs> you're never gonna know how to use an iPhone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. On the most important part, to be even more inspired. To give God the glory Amen. and give Jesus his praise. Amen. His dues are paid. Mm-hmm. We got some making up to do. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. That's awesome. So, thanks for watching. Please follow, share, like us on all your favorite platforms that you stream your podcasts and videos from. Uh, the iTunes, the Apple Music, Spotify, the YouTube I always forget the one you use. Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict. I was trying to write that down, but I forgot. <laughs> That's okay. But thank you. <laughs> I said sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry about it. It's okay to be addicted to podcasts. <laughs> but thank you for watching episode 51. <laughs> and we hope to see you back here for 52. See you guys. God see you guys. Have Love a good you. night. <clears throat> We're out. Done. You got through it, John. Yeah. 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 That was awesome. Stop whining, man. That was awesome. That was awesome. That's funny.